I'm going to digress into yesterday's conversation where we talked about the Christian ideal of marriage. Uh, So were you feeling trapped in the marriage or were you feeling pinned under the expectations of Christian? That one. Hey, everyone. I'm Halise, a digital storyteller and video producer. And I'm Mr. Halise, and I made Thanksgiving dinner. You did. It was good. I came up with that. Yeah. Sorry, and this is the Stumblewell Podcast, a couple that you know, talking about relationships and marriage and other such things. Roll the music. Because of my own trauma, I I am very um, cognizant about who owns what and who controls what. And I've been in, you know, relationships and talk to people and like a big red flag for me is people who talk about wanting to do business or wanting business advice or do we do, no, I don't want to go into, no, I don't. I want everything to be separate. I, I don't even want you to know how much money I have. I have no dollar. I'm broke. I have zero dollars in my bank account, okay. actually. Wow. Um, and so I am fascinated. Is it- But how can you, you build with that? <laughs> you can't build. Like there has, not to push back, but I like there has to no, be no, some I'm level open. Of, I love this. Yeah. There has to be some level of trust in a marriage because in other words, like, why'd you get married? Like at a very base instinct, right? Moving, moving love is at aside of all of that, right? Um, you get married to have a partner and it is a mm-hmm. contractual agreement, right? Yeah. Um, and so if you don't, there has to be a certain level of trust. To me, it makes the most sense to have him be this uh, the only person who gets to sign off on my accounts you know like if i don't trust my husband then who the hell do i trust you know <laughs> i trust him with we'll my life i gotta be able to trust him with my money you know <laughs> we're getting into therapy territory right now but oh, but okay. i think today's podcast episode comes to you via me through an interview i did with kimberly foster over on her channel It was basically a topic talking about marriage and in regards to husbands slash partners, long-term partners becoming like the production hand where, and this is in the heterosexual sense where the woman has created a platform for herself online, whether it be on Instagram, you know, YouTube, wherever. And eventually the partner joins in to help just manage that, run that, um, and apparently people don't like that female content creators have partners that help. That was like the sparking of the conversation. Is the animus, this is an aside, but is the animus aimed at the spouses or the creators? From what I could gather, I guess the creators themselves. So this, and this is also very fascinating because I had no idea that that, that was like, annoying to people. All that to say, though, the reason why I wanted to have this podcast episode was because as she was talking to me through the interview, full disclosure, she has a, what what does she call it? Anxious avoidant relationship tendencies. That is what she calls it. Or I'm sure it's like a term, you know, like anxious avoidant is, I guess, you're slightly untrusting of partners all the time. Sounds like a Pokemon. Like, my spirit animal is anxious avoiding. <laughs> well, you don't say spirit animal anymore. That's like, that's native peoples. Okay. 
But anyway, point of the story, in that interview, she mentioned that. And then she kind of kept pressing uh, on this topic that kind of got me like, oh, now I feel icky. I should talk to you about this. Yeah, do you feel trapped in this relationship? Because she kept bringing up the fact that I'm the breadwinner, you know? I'm the one that's making the income. In traditional relationships, that's usually reasons why women can't leave is because the husband's usually the breadwinner. So, like, what are they going to do? And I was like, oh, gum. Is it me? Am I the drama? You know? Well, not to draw it out anymore. Yeah, I think so, maybe. <gasps> what? I mean, <laughs> I do not feel physically trapped. Sure. I also don't feel financially trapped. Like, I could leave at any point. Okay. But I do feel, and this may be tangential. When I say it, tell me if it's uh, something to say for later. But okay. I do feel like, I mean, neutered is the better word, I oh, guess. Oh, neutered. Okay. All right. Take that in. Soak it up. Swirl it around. It's got good legs. Elaborate. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, uh, I mean, we've talked about in previous podcasts what my issues and my working through what I felt my value was. Mm-hmm. So what I, what I felt my inherent or internal value was as opposed to what is my value in the relationship. I'm still, you know, struggling with my in- internal value because, you know, work. What is my work? Sure. Um, and in relationship, I feel valued by you. But I don't feel like I do as much. I don't know. It just feels like the value that of what I do is different. It just weighs differently. It's still on the scale and it still weighs something, but I don't quite know what it is. That's so interesting. Okay. I do feel like it's, it's not a direct answer to your question. Like I, I don't feel trapped because I know, you know, women had no access to the finances Traditionally, I mean, like decades ago, like a homemaker had to squirrel away, perhaps, just listing a scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they maybe they would have money, but they would never be able to, like, you know, outright do anything. Did they have any actual claim to the money that was in the account? Was it even a shared account? Sure. All of our stuff is shared. Yeah. Um, I know how much we slash you are bringing in mm-hmm. how much we have in the accounts. Yeah. Like I don't feel trapped. I just feel. Yeah. Less than I do feel like. And that was the point that I was going to make in this podcast was that I feel like I need to carve out more of an identity somewhere Okay. on a physical plane. I need to just carve out an identity. Like, is that, volunteering more is that joining a writing group which i'm i am Uh where i can like talk with other people or develop in that way but what i what i have now i feel like is very um home ec very domestic it's like i stay home most of the time don't really interact with too many people sure that makes sense yeah you come home and then like i start dinner in, in, a, in a specific way, I do feel like, um, I'm going to say Stepford Wife. It doesn't quite fit in, but I, I feel like yeah. like a homemaker. 
Okay. I'm just waiting for you to get home. It's like, oh, and then even though you're in the office working, like I'm waiting for you to clock out because you're not mentally available most of the time. Mm. Interesting. And so then you do clock out and then I'm like, oh, welcome. I made dinner. Fine. And then we do dinner and then that's, that's it. Wow. To me, it just... <laughs> this isn't, it's not an answer to the problem that you queried or posited, but it's another problem. <laughs> <laughs> it's another problem. Interesting. Well, I also, because I know you mentioned, like, I remember when, so our co-working office closed. I think it was like April. Summer. Anyway, the co-working space that we were in closed. And I remember as soon as you, I told you that it was closing, you were like, I have to find somewhere else to go immediately. And I was like, oh, wow, okay. I didn't necessarily feel that way. Yeah. But you were the one that was like, I got to do something else. Otherwise, I won't ever see anybody. And I was like, yeah. Was that my my reasoning? I was worried that it was going to be more productivity. I mean, you've given that reason of productivity. But now as we've gone through months where, yeah, the co-working space is officially gone and you stay home most of the time. A lot of the times you have mentioned like, yeah, I mean, because like I don't really see anybody. And you've mentioned that a couple times. Enough where I'm like, yeah, the reason why you don't see anybody is because you don't go anywhere. So like I go to coffee. And so that's like, that's me getting that feeling. But I don't drink caffeine anymore. Yeah. And I feel like it's kind of a drain there. And the internet's kind of a... The internet, you haven't been back. They fixed it. I know. (laughs) But yeah, I get what you're saying. It's just, I think for me, it's just fascinating to hear that you feel like domesticated. I find it also fascinating that you didn't use the word emasculated. Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening slash watching this episode of the Stumblewell podcast. If you're new here, please like, share, and subscribe here on this platform that we're on that's probably youtube and maybe spotify itself thanks and also engage down below in the comments especially on youtube because that helps algorithmically with that sort of stuff and then if you're listening to us wherever you're listening to us make sure to rate us there five stars is preferred but we love constructive criticism and feedback as long as it's constructive if you want to take it a step further You should join the Patreon, patreon.com slash Halise. There you get early access to these podcast episodes, as well as exclusive content and merch. We have some new patrons. (gasps) Sandy Smith, welcome. Mickey, welcome. Johanna E, welcome. Welcome to the Patreon. Thank you so much. We're happy to have you. Anyway, back to the podcast. Do you feel emasculated? Am I not letting you be a man, Christopher? No, so... Gotta let men be men. What is the joke that we had? So, and in one video, I don't even remember what it was, but there was a commenter that was like... Oh, it, no, it was in Kim's video. It was in that video? <laughs> yes, it was in her who video. Is this the emas- and the, the commenter said, <laughs> yeah. who is this emasculated, emasculated man? What it, he was like... He feminine. Was, effeminate. Effeminate man. Effeminate man. He called you an... I'm assuming the commenter was another guy. It that tickled ten, me. That's how that tends to it, go. It, it, that tickled me. <laughs> You were like laughing a lot. Yeah, it was only when silly things. it was only when he like dug into you, and I was like, "Okay, that's a line." Yeah, yeah, 
made a but, lot of, uh, made a lot of like, tell me you hate dark skinned women without telling me you hate dark skinned women comments. And I was like, whoa, dude. Expert. <laughs> expert at that. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, called me an effeminate man and it's like, mm, I mean, I don't know what that means. Am I more in touch with my feelings than the average man? No. No? Unfortunately. You don't think so? No. I don't think so. Oh, wow. Okay. I mean, like, there are other there are others that are better at it. Sure. Like, I would say you're above average, though. Am I emotionally intelligent? Yes. I feel like I can read a room quite well. I can feel like I can read a person quite well. Sure. I don't think that's a quality that's, quote-unquote, effeminate or feminine or makes you any less masculine. Well, okay. So, like, I'm, I am not the foremost expert on this, but it's not a cup. Like, you can't take things out of it and then have less in the cup. It's just, it's you. You sure. can you can be a mixture, and we talked about this in a previous podcast. You can be a mixture of masculine and feminine. It's it's okay. <laughs> yeah. And again, sure. it's not like there's oil and water in the glass, and you see it see it swirling. It's just one glass. It's a homogenous mixture. It's just it is what what you are. You're sure. a, you're a mixture of characteristics. It's whatever. I don't feel emasculated. I think people see my my role in the relationship and how the tables have turned in terms of you bringing money and me not mm-hmm. and question it and maybe throw those labels out there, but I don't feel it. Interesting. Okay. I just feel, I feel a little bit lost in my identity, not in terms of masculine feminine, but more just like I've lost my sense of like expertise. Oh. So at, as a nurse, maybe that was, the thing that was feeding this nameless uh, emotional monster in my head or persona or whatever. But it was like, oh yeah. So in this field, in the field, I wasn't even like an expert, Mm -hmm. but in the field I had clinical knowledge. I, and it was decent, decently strong. And I could, you know, apply that, help other people with it, lend that out to patients. So like I had, I had knowledge that I could use and leverage. I had experience that I could use and leverage and it was in this very specific niche, but I had it. And so going into writing, I don't have an MFA. I didn't go to school for it. I'm learning on the fly, producing work that is or is not, you know, we're questioning that value, putting that aside. And then also helping you in production, which again, didn't go to school for, or not classically trained. And so I'm always walking on eggshells is maybe putting it a little too strongly, but I, I don't know quite what I'm doing. So like answering emails easy enough. And it's something that I've fallen into, but it's, it's like, what's too much, like how much to ask for what's too much. Am I in my wheelhouse? And like on a shoot ordinarily, like I could, I could take command in a situation differently where it's just like, we're doing it this way because you know, like there's a clear chain of command. Mm Mm-hmm. And on set, there is and there isn't, and it's unspoken, and it's something that you just pick up over the years. There's an uncomfort or discomfort for me in like not knowing that, and so being on those sets and getting like weird looks or people like correcting you or people helping you along the way, it's like I'm far enough in my age where professionally I had—I'll use the term clout—like I had clout, I had a leg to stand on. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. and then I'm moving or I've moved. And I, I've, I think this is actually the first time that I'm verbalizing this, but I'm, I've moved into two fields that I am just very uncomfortable in. Mm. Existing at home, I mean, I have no issues. Cooking, I enjoy cooking. I enjoy cooking for you. I enjoy cooking for people who enjoy eating my food. <laughs> um, so I, I don't have issues with that. Doing chores and doing everything else, like all oh, that's fine. Domestic stuff, not a problem. But I feel like outside of that and outside of our relationship, because I feel like in the relationship, I'm very comfortable. I'm comfortable with you and our dynamic. Mm. Outside of that, my professional space, it's discomfort. Like it's been discomfort for two years. There are times where I feel comfortable and then like that, like it's blown away in the wind and then I'm uncomfortable again. Yeah. Is that a product of the relationship of you bringing me in? I mean, yes and no. Does that make me feel trapped? No, but I feel like. I hear you saying all this and I just like my immediate thought is like, hmm, how does Halise help with that? Does she help with that? You know, that's what more I mean? of a an innate drive for Chris. This is a Chris driven okay. solution, I think. Oh. I feel trapped in a cage of my own making. Oh. Yeah. So I don't feel trapped in the relationship. Uh I feel like if you were more possessive over money, sure, then I would be concerned about, oh well, I can't leave. Yeah. Or emotionally, I guess if you were either more abusive or physically, if you were more abusive, it's just like the over- obvious things. Well, me, sure. Like overbearing or anything like that. But sure. maybe it's just a product of me being a man where I feel like, I mean, I could literally just step outside and I'm fine. <laughs> right. I guess so. As long as you don't feel trapped in the relationship, that was the weird. Yeah. You're talking about other things of like trapped. No. Cause it's, I mean, it's to really break down, that question yeah i mean technically i am dependent on you very much so sure so i mean there is a tether an umbilical cord from me to you for my livelihood my livelihood is tied to your livelihood yeah and so yeah if you were to quote unquote cut me off or something divorce me just all of a sudden then yeah i would be in a bad spot would you though I don't think you would be technically. I mean, I would owe you alimony. <laughs> Remember we talked oh, about yeah, this. I guess so. Remember we talked about this before. You and you joked about it too. You were like, "Oh, now is the time to leave because <laughs> I could get alimony out of this." <laughs> and I was like, "Oh no, you're yeah, but right." It's, <laughs> but it's going to take time. Right? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And even then, it's like you can still bail on it. <laughs> It's not like any of this is set in stone. Sure. Yeah, you can. I mean, you can bail on it, but like, you can go to jail. If they find you, good luck finding you in the Bahamas. Right. Well, now they got it. Yeah. Well, they just arrested that crypto guy in the Bahamas. Oh, did they really? I yeah. have no idea what's going on with that. Okay. Oh, it's, it's messy. Yeah, I'm sure it is. I feel like, I think that's why for me, I've always been very like, you have access to everything. Because this was something that... Um, Kimberly brought up in the interview like she kept and she it was interesting because she I can't remember exactly what she said I feel like if I find it I'll like put it into the podcast but she said something to the degree of like you know if I ever get a long-term partner I don't know if I would even I don't think I would ever even make let them be aware of how much money I make as far as they are concerned I make nothing 
And I was like, my immediate response to that was then, then why are you with them? One. And how do you build? Right. Like the whole point, like love aside in relationship, in long-term relationships, especially in like marriage contracts, if you will, the whole point of them is that you are stronger together. Right. And, and trust. Yeah. And trust. But even then it's like, it's, it's why when husband, it's why when people get divorced, alimony is a thing. Like the whole point is to be in contract and to be like in, I don't even know, like trust and in exchange for one another. You decide what those roles need to be in the relationship for it to feel like the exchange that you're down with, but there has to be an exchange for it to work. And so if you're already coming in being like, I don't, you don't ever need to know how much money I make, then it's like you already don't trust the person you're in a very serious contract with. Why are you in this contract with them? Yeah. I'm just wondering, this might be a very stupid question, but can a spouse feel trapped in the same way that a spouse felt trapped in the 1950s? Mm. Unless you, I guess, physically moved us to a very isolated location. Yeah. And so, like, I couldn't walk anywhere. I couldn't go anywhere. There's no money. It's weird. So, like, end of the world situation. Yeah. And I'm unhappy. But you're supplying the food, you're supplying like all the physical needs, and there's nowhere else to go. So then, do I feel trapped in that situation? Yes. If I'm unhappy, sure. Sure. But I feel like in the old days, a very, very strong, very thick-walled patriarchy. Yeah. There was a devaluing of women outside the home. And there literally was, I mean, it had happened during World War II, but there was almost no emphasis on a woman's value outside of a relationship, outside of a home, and that's no longer the case. And so I'm wondering if I don't feel trapped, and which I've alluded to earlier, because I'm a man, because I know that there is opportunity out there. Mm. But in the same way, again, short of physical, emotional, financial abuse, which is like you're leveraging all of those things against the other person, I don't know if someone's going to necessarily feel trapped. Do you feel like that's a, a fair statement in these times? I don't know. I think, I don't know if that's a fair statement. Cause then that makes me think back to like the beginnings of our relationship mm-hmm. where you were the breadwinner, like you made the most money of the two of us. And even then it was like, it's like someone with three yeah, acorns saying, say, wow, you have the most acorns. It's like, we just have acorns. I know. I was going to like follow it up with, even though it, like neither of us were really, <laughs> we were both trying to figure things out. But in, I remember like feeling in those moments, I don't want to say feeling trapped, but feeling like, this has to work because I can't, like, what do I do if this doesn't work? You know what I mean? I mean? What is the worst case possibility in that scenario? You go back to your parents, tail tucked between your legs. They would not necessarily support you 100%, but they would give you a place to stay and rest. And then... I don't know if they would have, Launch pad. That's what I'm saying. Well, no, I mean, if the marriage had gone south or something. I think they would have. This is, I think this might just be my own cultural like un, unlearnings still going on. Because, yeah, now I'm at a point in my life where I think, like, yeah, if things didn't work out, it sucks, but life goes on. You know what I mean? Like, life goes on. But I, I do very much remember feeling in the beginning, being so young, thinking, like, my world will, like, break down if, I, if like, I don't make this work. 
like if I don't work through these things, you know? Mm. So I don't know. I hesitate. I think the point you make is valid of like in these times where, yes, women, generally speaking, obviously it's not the same, but generally speaking, have more autonomy and more like value over their lives. Um, Things are just different. Like it's almost like that idea of it's like trickle up helping where it's like the reason why uh, the American Disabilities Act was so popular, like it ended up helping it ended up help mostly helping like mothers with strollers more than people with disabilities, like just having elevators in places right. and things like that. Um, or just like affirmative action, mostly helping white women didn't actually really much, you know, help people of color. Well, it did, but like disproportionately it ended up helping others who already had a level of privilege to lean on. So to that point, I think you might be right. I'm going to digress into sure. yesterday's conversation <gasps> where we talked about the Christian ideal of marriage. Ah, uh, So yeah. were you feeling trapped in the marriage or were you feeling pinned under the expectations of Christian... That one. Yeah. <laughs> I was feeling a, that of one. Of a Christian marriage <laughs> or like how a woman should act. And again, this is like, well, a woman has no value. And again, I'm not trying to offend anybody, but a woman has no value outside of like this Christian ideal of a marriage where you must serve... By serving God, you serve the man, or by serving man, you serve serve God. And both of those statements are true. Yeah. It was really hard. I will say it was really... Submit. Submission to the man. Yeah. It was really... And it was really hard because at the same time, and we talked about that yesterday, like, with even within my own home growing up, there were contradictions. And we actually talked about this on Kimberly's podcast, too, of just mm. like... um me being the breadwinner now, does does that make me myself uncomfortable? And I was like, no, because my mom made more money than my dad for a good part of their marriage as well. So it wasn't something that, it isn't something I'm not used to or that like throws me at all. And so I grew up in that and yet I still got like the Christian, the conservative Christian, I guess. That's, I don't feel like that feels too extreme. We'll traditional. Just, sure, there we sure. go. I like that better. Um, the traditional Christian values still got thrown in, even though my own family didn't necessarily adhere to them. I still felt a need to do them when we first got married. And yeah, I feel like the first few years of our marriage was me unlearning, or just like just figuring out what it meant to actually be your partner specifically, not right. a partner, you know, to anyone. But like, what does Chris actually, like, what value do you actually bring for Chris? Right, and I did not want a submissive wife. Right, yeah. I did not know what to do in terms of domestic duties. So, like, in terms of helping around in the place that we live. Mm. So, like, supporting each other in that way. But I was not asking for a submissive wife. I was not asking for, you know, X, Y, and Z. Yeah, and I think it was also weird because you never asked for it, and yet I felt like that was what you wanted, though. Mm. And it's like, and it's, why are you making that assumption? You know what I mean? And it's possible that maybe I did. I don't know. I don't think, I don't know if you necessarily did. I mean, I don't know if I even gave you the space to like answer the question. You know what I mean? I feel like from the jump, I was, I just like fell into it and was trying to do it. So like, and also because, yeah, you were the one working member. I didn't have a job. So I was like looking for things. And so I just felt the need to, similar to what you were talking about now, of like when Chris comes home and you like start dinner, this and that, whatever. Well, I think part of that was probably due to me. 
Because in that mindset, I did not understand value outside of, where it's like, well, you're, okay, so you're, you're doing things at home and that's great. I'm doing things in a W-2 job and that's great. But sort of like you going into YouTube or freelance or whatever, I didn't understand the value of what you were trying to do, mm. which I understand now. Sure, yeah. After the fact. But again, this is like those men talking about, in hindsight, right? talking about how they, like, how have I done right or wrong in the relationship? And of course, you know, look at my wife and all these things that I've done to her. And, and it's like, yeah, you've, but you've already, you've burned down the forest. You've <laughs> already burned down the forest. So of yeah. course you're going to look behind you and think, oh my God, what a terrible person I was to burn down that forest. And then you like flick another light or something <laughs> to the ground. Yeah. Not sure where I was going with that, but I like just saying it. Okay. Um, if the marriage is a house, and yeah. I'm living in the house and the house burns to ashes. Yeah. Somehow, some way, structurally this, this would never work, but the house is burned to ashes and it's still standing. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so like, I'm not going to... St- stay in the marriage when there's nothing there. You just touch it and then the ash crumbles. Um, so like, why would I feel trapped in a house made of ash? Oh. Um, and again, there's, I don't want to use the term delusion cause it's a little stigmatized, but you could say, well, I mean, there's still something here. And again, you have all these, um, expectations, societal, from institutions, church being one of them, family, and that might make you feel trapped, but you 100% infinitely earning more money than me, because I'm not earning money, (laughs) but you earning more money than me and being in control of the finances and I don't know what else does not make me feel trapped. Hmm. Okay. I have my own walls up, like my own little pillow fort in the corner. I'm like, I can't leave. I can't. Chris, dinner's ready. I can't leave. It's just <laughs> all these expectations just weighing down. It hurts. And just come over and lift a, a pillow up. I wonder if part of those feelings that you have to you are also because you've chosen a creative career path where there is no, it's not like nursing where you go to school, you get a certain type of certification and then you get a job in that certification and then it's very, clear what you are qualified slash allowed to do Mm -hmm. and what you're not, you know? And it's like, you are, as a nurse, you cannot write a prescription as an, or as a nurse practitioner, you can't, but like, you know what I'm saying? Like things in certain states, right. In certain states, but like there's, it's just so much more structured. Whereas with being an artist, like, yeah, you're a writer of what, which genre, where does it go? Like the, who's seen it, who's, yeah, the, the criteria is non-existent and or just so intangible and like impossible to define that I can see how if you're getting into it, you're just kind of like, I'm rolling in the deep, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Yeah. I still come back to like, well, how do I help you with that? How do I help you with those feelings? But yeah, I guess I gotta just be like, I just gotta figure it out on its own, you know? Just gotta be here to listen or whatever. I went dark in my head. I was like, I just need to print some of these books and then go out panhandling and be like, spirit change. And then they'll give me spirit change and then I'll pan them a book. Like, here you go. Wow. I mean, and then marketing. I'm, and then I'm getting, no, that's not marketing. That's just like, what's happening here? 
That's how uh, I'm a writer, but I can't get published here. Please, I need, I need to feed, I need to feed my family. That's my with my wife, who's, I don't need it. I was like, oh, thank you for the fifty cents or whatever. Here's a copy of the book. What? That's an interesting social experiment. I think so, and also I was gonna say, um, I forgot her name now, but the woman who started, um, the woman who makes the tea, um, that I interviewed for the Target series. Oh yeah, yeah. That was how she started that company. Was she would go? She figured out what the recipe was finally, and then she would just sell it out of the back of her car, like kind of how Mo was doing with the knockoff stuff. <laughs> like she was just doing that. LSILT. There we go. LSILT. At your nearest Target. Yeah, check if them out. You can out. find it. So tasty. Get the sugarcane one. Yeah. It's delicious. Yes. It'll. If you have diabetes. You can have some. Factor like, it in. Yeah, but like factor it into your struggle. Anyway. But yeah, just thinking about that. I mean, that's why I'm kind of like, that is an interesting social experiment <laughs> to have like 50 copies of like one short story. I would say do it like a short story though, like a little pamphlet and then be like, boop, like a Jehovah's Witness. <laughs> on the way on the way back from, from the grocery store, there was a woman with a sign that was like, I have kids and family and I can't afford X, Y. I, I didn't even read it. Sure. I just saw that she was there and she was selling roses. Yeah, I've seen Wilted, that. Wilted, droopy roses. Yeah. And so I gave her five bucks and then I was like, I don't need a flower though. So I feel like some people are going to be like, here's a change. I don't want the book. Oh yeah. I guess you're right. "Hmm." And that hurts in a different kind of way. All right. Maybe don't do this. More than a form letter from a publisher. I don't know. Yeah. Good point. Anyway. (laughs) All that to say, Kim's interview was very eye opening. And we ended up, I remember we did the, or I did the interview and it was a pretty long interview. It was like an hour and a half, two hours almost. We were on that call for a while. And then afterwards, I ended up talking to you for another two hours about everything we talked about on we that did. call. We did, yeah. That was, and that was a good conversation. <laughs> it was. It was really fascinating because uh, by the end of the call, because her patrons were, so her patrons get to be on it live while you're doing it, and then she'll either release it to the public or break it up or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the patrons was like, they're, they defined our relationship as very, um, I think they used the word egalitarian. Sure. And I was like, huh, I don't mind that word. I don't think. I kinda, I'm kind i not even going to lie to you. I don't quite remember what egalitarian means. You know what I mean? No, that's utilitarian. I, egalitarian is just like fair for all, I think. Oh, okay. I was about to pull out my phone. <laughs> I think it's, no, actually maybe pull it out. Yeah. Because there was one that was the greatest good for the greatest number by one definition, and that oh. might be egalitarian. Egalitarian. Oh, I found it. Relating to or believing in the principle that all people are equal and deserve equal rights and opportunities. Okay, well, it's close. I mean, I it's like a different that definition. It was just really fascinating because the more Kim would ask about the different roles we had, people would chime in with their thoughts, and one person said, "I can't remember." What did they say? It was something to the degree of uh, this woman seems like she and her husband didn't figure, don't have very defined roles. <laughs> and that seems like not okay or something. I can't remember what the comment was. No, so, okay. And I was like, how fascinating. So that that's a good comment. And you would think that me needing structure would right. have a problem with that. But there's fail safes built into that system. So oh. if I don't, like I usually make dinner. Yeah. But you still know how to cook. I do. So when I get sick, you either we either go out to eat or you you get takeout or you cook. Yeah. 
And then it's the same thing with, well, typically you do laundry, but when you get busy or do errands, I finish the laundry. Right. So it's, there's this one role and Elise needs to do the laundry. And if Elise isn't here, then the laundry doesn't get done. Right. That's a great way to one, start squabbles and have the marriage erode. And then two, live in filth. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But when you, when you go out of town, I still have to keep house. It doesn't run as well or as cleanly as it does when you're here. Sure. But I mean, you don't come back to a mess. Right. Yeah. The dishes, the dishes aren't just like stacked up in the sink and there are roles in our relationships. We just, we flip. So right now you're earning money, the most money, if you want to qualify it like that. Mm. And at some point, maybe I'll start contributing. Hopefully I will. Um, Let's go ahead and speak that. And then maybe at some point it's 50-50 and it, maybe at some point it's whatever split, 60-40, 70-30. Maybe I start earning more money than you. But that that was never, that was a joke between us. You were posing to me, well, what if I start earning more money than you? Mm-hmm. And I said, great. <laughs> yeah, then that I can was, retire. You did say that a few years ago. Yeah. Yeah, I was looking forward to it. It's like, hurry up with that. <laughs> That YouTube money, not to put pressure on you, but I don't want to be here anymore. <laughs> that is true. Nursing. Yeah. I was talking about nursing. Right, yeah. It was just a very interesting conversation of how, I don't know, I guess people kind of come into relationships. And I, I think it also, I also realized in having that discussion with her of just how much, like, Obviously, I did have some baggage we all do coming into relationships, even if you do come into it relatively young like we did. Mm-hmm. Um, but so much of like how much the how much people take on the product of like their environments that they were in when it comes to their time to start whatever kind of relationship they're going to start. I don't I think the reason why I don't have the anxious avoidant relationship type is because I grew up in the house I grew up in. With two, like, my parents aren't divorced, and they also figured out whatever roles they wanted to subscribe to and not, and how they even discussed money. Like, when I was talking to Kim about, like, I don't, there's not a account that I have that you don't have access to. Now, whether you decide to log into it or not, up to you, but like, you usually, but you have access to all the money at all times. And that's because that's how my parents did it. And they were very conscious about, like, explaining that to me and I remember do you remember at the beginning of our marriage I was like that I was like we need a joint account why do you have accounts that I can't see and you were like calm down I just do and I was like that's weird I don't think that's okay (laughs) and you were like I don't like that you do think it's okay (laughs) I I I think you weren't that into it I wasn't that into it but I, I eventually warmed up to it yeah but I don't know why I think I just pushed it I don't just little stuff like that. Like I, I forget that people are like married, but not completely like intertwined. Yeah, I, I, I just forget that a lot. Anyway, I don't know where I was going with that. And that being said, <laughs> in the comments below, <laughs> if you're in a relationship and the finances are split between the two of you, the two people in the relationship. Mm-hmm. If suddenly one person was supporting the two of them, mm-hmm. how would they feel about that? Do they feel like they would have power over the other person or would they feel trapped, vice versa? 
Oh, you should just want if, and this is for anyone who's listening slash watching who's in a relationship, like period. Does a relationship need to be split 50-50 in terms of finances? Or do you feel like by losing that control that you would have less power and therefore feel trapped? Oh, okay, okay. Hypothetically, if they are in relationships, if they're not in relationships. Yeah, sure. I would be curious to hear the answer that people have as well in the comments below. Well, stumble well. Stumble on. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.